Good morning. How are you guys? You good? Well, that was my wife that sang that last song this morning. I would have given her some of my time to continue to sing it. Amen. It's a wonderful, wonderful place to be. I'm able to be here with y'all so often during worship. I kind of will hide back here, hide back over here. I'm always the one letting out the woos because I'm Pentecostal. <laughs> but I promise I won't speak in tongues this morning and scare any of our Methodist or Baptist people. <laughs> Isn't God good? Yes. Before I get into my message, I think probably the most important thing I could tell you this morning is that Jesus loves you. I love what Colin said this morning. He said so many times we put the song up there and we sing the song just out of memory or just out of reading it off the screen. But we never really think about that he is really living among us. Catherine Kuhlman used to say that the Holy Spirit is more real to me now than the person sitting beside you. And I don't know where you are. I'm not doing life with you. But one thing I do understand is, like he talked about the hashtag, the struggle's real. I know that life throws us curveballs. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he is constant in your life right now. He is faithful in your life right now. And he is true in your life right now. And he will never leave you. And he'll never forsake you. And he will take the bad things that the enemy throws at you. And he will always turn it around for your good. He loves you this morning. If you don't hear anything else I say, know this morning that you have a father that is madly in love with you. And Easter is not a holiday. Easter is an event that happened and it's real. And there's a resurrection power for your life, for your family, and for your situation. Amen. So let's pray. Father, you are good. (laughs) And I love that you're slow to anger. I love that you are bent towards mercy, bent towards kindness. And it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads us to a walk with you into a relationship. And I simply ask you now, Jesus, to be who you are. You're not a theology. You're not a teaching. You're not a scripture. You're life. And so would you simply just walk in the room? Would you walk in the families? Would you walk in their homes? Would you walk in marriages? Would you walk in the process in the meantime with your children this morning? Would you be hope and life, strength to your people? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to go this morning to Habakkuk chapter 2. And just read verses three and f- 2 and 3, and then we're going to jump over to Mark 4, 35, 41, and then 5 and 1. Now, I've been preaching a long time. I get insecure sometimes if you don't preach at me, and I may throw the mic. So make sure you preach at me. I don't want to get insecure. My wife will tell you that I'm the sensitive one in the marriage, and she's not, okay? So don't make me sensitive this morning, okay? So this morning, we're going to talk about the meantime. This is the meantime. You go eat at five o'clock. 
and you're done at 6 and the movie doesn't start to 7.30. You ever been in that position? You call that the meantime. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes being full and wanting to go sit down and watch a movie and you're stuck in the meantime. In the church, we call it the process, which is really a cuss word for the church people. Nobody wants to be in a process. No one wants to be in transition. But there are times in our life that where God drops a promise into us, where God gives us a word, where God gives us a dream and he gives us a vision. And we grab that promise, that vision, and we grab that word and we're ready to go into the fullness of it. But we find ourselves in between promise, dream, word, and the fulfillment of it. What that season is called is the process. So here's the scripture that I want you that are in a process in your marriage, in your finances, in your health. This is a scripture I want you to begin to quote and declare over your life. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tables so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. For the vision, the word, the promise, the dream is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak <laughs> and not lie. Let every man be a liar, but let God's word this morning be true, church. Amen. Though the dream, though the promise, though it may tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, saith the Lord, and it will not tarry. Can you say amen? Let's jump into our text, Mark, Mark chapter 4, 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to the other side. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowd behind. Although others were in the boats, followed. But soon a furious storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Somebody say, wait to take the nap. The disciples woke him up shouting, teachers, don't you care that we are drowning? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the winds and said to the waves, peace, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Mark 5 and 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea. So the disciples, they're on one side. And they have this promise from Jesus to go to the other side. They have this vision, this dream, this word living on the inside of them. So they get in the boat and they are traveling to the fulfillment and to the fullness of what God's given them. But immediately, life comes in. The waves begin to crash. The wind begins to blow. And they find themselves where? In the midst of a process. They find themselves in the meantime. Nobody likes the process. 
And it doesn't make you any more spiritual if you tell me this morning that you like the process. It just makes you a liar. (laughs) Nobody likes to be in the meantime. Nobody likes the trials and tribulations. Except for God. The process is kind of like this. You ever been on a road trip with your kids? And so you get in the car with your kids. And they know that it's an 11 hour trip to Florida. And so you go ahead and you say, hey, listen, kids, it's not a 30 minute trip. And so it's going to take us a while to get there. But I've got you snacks. I've charged your iPhone. Listen, I've got extra data. You can watch Netflix on your phones. But don't ask me 30 minutes down the way, are we there yet? Don't ask me that. But it never fails in that small little car because you have to have good gas mileage. You don't think about taking trips in that small, tiny car with two grown boys kicking the back of your seat, yelling at each other because the one is in their space and Jennifer wants to take her 60-pound dog with us. But anyways, I'm not bitter this morning. (laughs) But it never fails. 30 minutes down the road from the back seat. Hey, um, hey, hey, Dad. Yeah, yeah, son, what is it? Oh. Are we, are we there yet? Now, I don't know how you handle your kids, but I tell Jennifer, I say, Jennifer, you better get your kids real quick now. <laughs> they know that we're not there. We just passed their school that we take them to every day that takes them five minutes. So they know it takes five minutes to get to the school and they know it takes 11 hours. They're really smart. They know the difference between five minutes and 11 hours. But pretty much what they're saying is, dad, My patience has ran out. I've done everything I know to do. In fact, before we get there, you really need to stop because I need to go to the bathroom because I've drank all the drinks you've given me and I also drank mom's Sprite. My iPod is dead. My phone is dead. Your computer is dead. And I don't have anything else to do on this trip. So I want to be at the destination. You ever been there with God? You have this promise. You have this word living on the inside of you. Like fire shut up in your bones. And you're like, God, are we, are we there yet? And you know, you know you're not there. Your wife really knows you're not there. <laughs> And your kids know you're not there. But maybe just by a chance, this process in this meantime can really hurry up. Because God, I've done everything I know to do. I've prayed. I've read my Bible through in a year. Amen. I fasted in between lunch and dinner. (laughs) And so I really should be there, right? I'm a nice guy. I feed the hungry. I let my wife watch her own TV show until the football game came on. So because of my character, 
because of me being so good and doing all these spiritual things and I went to church. I should be there. Are, are we there yet? Listen, there's no seven-step, 12-step process to get you through the process. You can't mathematically figure this thing out. Believe me, if you could, I would be rich. Every preacher would be rich. But one thing that I've learned about the process is that he just doesn't want you to know everything about it. Why? Because he loves the element of surprise. In the process is where trust is developed. There's nothing more beautiful than my 12-year-old and my 14-year-old looking at me and saying, I trust you, Dad. That melts my heart and it locks my gaze in on them. That's what the process does. It develops trust in you. It develops waiting inside of you. The Bible says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That word their weight literally means to be braided into. You ever seen someone braid hair? Maybe ropes? You know how strong that braid is? Because instead of one, it's now three. And so as you stand there in the process and you wait and you refuse to bell out, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus Christ himself is literally braiding himself into you. Why? So that your roots grow deep. Because the stronger your roots are, the stronger you are. If you want fruit, if we want signs, wonders, and miracles, if we want to see this and live in color like we read it in print, then the church has to have deep roots. In waiting, I'm renewing my strength and I'm mounting up with wings like eagles. I'm running and not growing weary and we will walk and not faint. In waiting, you're like a tree planted by the water and you shall not be moved. So when life throws the winds and the waves at you and troubles and trials begin to be thrown at you, you cannot be moved because you are strongly rooted in the middle of the process and you said, I won't bend, I won't break, I won't compromise because I have the promise and the word of God living on the inside of me. That's the gospel. It's the hope that keeps me in the process. It's the joy that keeps me in the process. It's the life that keeps me in the process. I stay in the process because God's watching over his word to see that it's fulfilled. I'm not in this process because some preacher stood up behind a pulpit and yelled and screamed at me. I'm not in this process because I heard Joyce Myers tell me something on the radio. I'm in this process because of the truth of the gospel. It will not fail, but wherever the seed goeth, it shall produce fruit. That's why we stay in the process. Amen. There's a lot of things I would trade about ministry and about life. But one thing I wouldn't trade is my process.
It's the process that has got me where I am today. Let me d- You're, You know what I love about you? Is that I can go over time and not be in trouble because there's no one coming in after you. I love the process. I realize the longer the boat ride is, the better off I'm going to be. I'm standing up here preaching to you today. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm a dean at a college. But let me tell you where I came from. I didn't talk until I was five years old. They had an emergency meeting my first day of school, called my mom in and told my mom, said, your son will have to go through speech therapy every day of school and some during the summer, all 12 years. And maybe by the time that he graduates, he will be able to go up to someone on the side of the road and pronounce his name and them actually be able to understand what he's saying. I flunked first grade. That was, that's right, it's kind of comical. I flunked first grade. How do you flunk first grade? I did it. (laughs) But I had a praying grandmother that said, not my boy. All I've ever wanted to do was preach the gospel and tell the world about Jesus. I remember being 12 years old, smoking a cigarette, my buddy being like, hey, what you going to do when you grow up? I'm like, I'm going to preach. He's like, you may want to quit smoking. (laughs) I quit smoking, amen. (laughs) One year of speech therapy, God healed me. That's my process. I'm in third grade. It's parent-teacher night. My parents come in and we're looking at all the stuff on the wall, all the different kids. And I remember showing my parents my drawing and my work. And I remember looking in my parents' eyes and saying, something's not right about the way they're looking at my picture. And I remember looking at my picture and thinking, yeah, that, that doesn't look like the other kids. My mom calls the teacher the next day and says, I think we need to meet. They meet. They start running all these tests on me. They call my mom back in. And this is what they tell my mom. They said, Miss Rose, Miss Gowd, we've ran all these tests on your son. And your son is mentally retarded. but that's okay because we can get you a check and he can still come to school. He just won't be like the other kids. My mama looked that woman in the face and said, not my boy. We may be in a process. We may be in the meantime, but that's not the dream. We never got a check from the government for me being mentally retarded. I went on and I graduated high school. Now my senior year, they said he doesn't even need to come. He can work. Not half day, he can work the whole day because that boy ain't learning anything else. I graduated high school reading on the third grade reading level and a spelling on the third grade um, level. That's my process. 
I graduated high school or college. I figured I'd go when I was 30 years old. I graduated two years later. I was voted at that time to be the student body president with a bunch of 20 year olds. I leave six months later. They call me back. They say, we want you to come be the assistant dean. A couple months ago, they called me in and said, now we want you to be the dean. Do you realize that when I do my emails that I have to use Siri because I can't even spell? We don't care. (laughs) Where I am today was because of a process that I submitted to. But never one time did I sell out to deception. Never one time did I sell out to emotions. Sometimes in the middle of the process, you got to speak to your emotion and say, it may not, it may not look good. And I may not know everything that's going on, but I believe the dream and the promise that God put inside of me. It's because of my process that I stand here and preach the gospel to you today. It's because of your process that's going to bring the dream and the promise and the word of God and live in cover and fulfillment in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your health. Submit to the process. God is true and he's faithful. Listen, God, God loves the process. He loves it. My boys, sometimes they want stuff and I have the power to give it to them right then. But they're 12 and 14 years old, and I got them, I got them then because they want something. And so I take them through a process of hugs and kisses. I make my 14-year-old and my 12-year-old kiss me and hug me. <laughs> what they see is a process. What I see is relationship and intimacy being developed. What we see is a process, is what, but what Jesus sees is relationship and intimacy being developed. You see, some of you are hidden right now. Your dream is hidden. Your promise is hidden. But just because you're hidden doesn't mean that you're forgotten. David was anointed to be the king. But the very next time we see him, where's David? David's right back out with the sheep. Why? Because if you're going to lead the sheep, you got to smell like sheep. So David's right back out leading the sheep. But all along, there's a king living on the inside. God is so jealous over you. He's so jealous over your time. He's so jealous over your life that he just won't throw you out there before you're ready. But he will take you through a process developing you and growing relationship and intimacy on the inside of you. He ain't just going to share you with the world. Before you're ready. Listen, you hide the things that you really care about. I just don't share my chocolate with anyone. Because it's valuable to me. I hide the last cookie from my wife. Amen. Because it's valuable to me. Some of you are like God's chocolate and God's last cookie. You thought he forgot you. You thought he's mad at you. He ain't mad at you at all. He hasn't forgot you at all. He's just just hiding you because he's developing character inside of you. And then he's going to bring you out and show you off and fulfill the promise and the word and the dream that lives on the inside of you. He's developing relationship and intimacy. 
See, what we see is a long boat ride. He sees his intimacy and close fellowship. We see the process, but he sees the hurts he's saving us from. He sees the season of great temptation he's delivering us from. Some of us, if he took us immediately right into the dream, right into the promise, it would destroy us. So what do we do? Well, we're not where we used to be, but we're still not where we're going. We're just kind of right here in the middle. We remember the history that got us to the point that we're at right now. Let me say that again. Remember the history that God has with you. He still is the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. He's still the God that walks on water. He's still the God that feeds 5,000 with just a few fishes and a few loaves of bread. He's still the voice speaking in the dead tomb of Lazarus after four days and calling him out. He's still the God of signs, wonders, and miracles. So I may be in the middle and I may not be where I'm going. I may not be to the promised land yet, but I'm not where I used to be. And so I'm moving on because he's got my back and he's got my front and his head is leading this thing. And I'm going to stay in peace. I'm going to stay in joy. I'm going to stay in conquering. I'm going to stay in blessings. I'm going to stay in victory. You're in the meantime, and there's nothing wrong with that. You're in the process, and he's not mad at you. Glory to God. I said glory to God. He's not mad at you. He's just developing you. He is specially caring for you with his tender Loving hands. Don't worry about sin. He'll take care of it. You just abide in the vine. You know what I love about John 15? In 10 different places, in 10 verses, he says abide. But we, because of religion, get caught up on the pruning part. And actually, the scripture says that he's the gardener and he prunes. What? You don't prune, he prunes. Do you know what the tenderest part of the garden is? The hands of the gardener. (laughs) The shovel's not tender. The rooting out's not tender, but the hands of the gardener are so tender. And when he reaches into your life, he doesn't come with guilt and condemnation, but he comes with love. And sometimes when you're in the meantime, it feels like he's squeezing you and he's putting pressure on you, but he knows exactly how to touch you, exactly how to heal you, exactly how to breathe life into you because his hands are tender in your life and in your meantime. I don't know where that came from, but I like it. He's working on us in the meantime. No one ever talks about the meantime. You don't turn on Sports Center, and it's like the top 10 meantime moments. <laughs> no, they're like hitting on runs, scoring touchdowns, signing contracts. It'll show how they got up at 6 o'clock in the morning. It'll show how when they tore their ACL and it took them a year to recover and they were dependent on everyone else, they couldn't do anything for by themselves. We live in a highlight society 
We don't see the fails of Facebook. You know how many times it took them to get that right selfie? (laughs) That didn't come out on the first time. If you see a picture of me on Facebook that my wife posted and my arms look like they're 25 inches, they are not. She photoshopped that and I let her do it, okay? We live in a Photoshop world. We live in an Instagram, a Pinterest. You ever look at the fails, though? How many times it took them to get that way? We see the mega church. We don't see the prayer meetings at 6 o'clock in the morning where the brothers and the sisters of the Lord got together. We don't see how they started off the year with a 21-day fast. We don't see when the pastor was here and there was only five people, but he was preaching like the house was full. He opened the church. He closed the church. He was the youth pastor. He was the, the prayer pastor. He was the worship pastor. He was the children's pastor. He was whatever. We just see the mega church. There's always a meantime. And what I love about the meantime, it's your meantime that is positioning you to actually possess the dream and the word of God that he's put on the inside of you. The meantime is your preparation for your future. Your process is causing your character to grow to fit your dream. When I was 17 years old, I still had the same dream that I have now. I'm living some of it, but I didn't have the character at that time. I would have aborted it. I would have gave up on it. I didn't know how to handle it. But my processes in my meantime has got my character to the place that it is now so that my integrity is strong, so that my foundation is strong and I can handle the weight that the world puts on me and the weight that God gives me. Because if you're faithful in the small things, he will make you ruler in the many things. That's written in red. It's a promise. Bank on it. Be faithful. Don't sell out. Don't decorate your meantime because you're only passing through. It's a season. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a season. And sometimes it's like Texas and you don't know when the difference is, but it's still just a season, okay? Be patient with me. I tore my ACL about a year ago. And I remember laying in there in the living room, we turned it into a recovery room. We brought the bed in, we moved the coffee table out and I'm laying there and the doctor, he's telling me how, I won't be able to play basketball without a brace and I won't do this. I won't do that. And I'm like, "Eh, okay, I'm just depressed. And I'm kind of in the meantime, but I'm kind of selling out. I start decorating. My wife comes in there. What's wrong with you? I'm like, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. Everyone's picking on me. and... (laughs) And she looks at me and she says, Stephen, don't decorate this recovery room. Because that bed's going back where it came from and the coffee table's coming back in here and this recovery room will not be decorated. It's gonna turn back into a living room and you're gonna be back in the gym. And I am. Quickly. Don't decorate the meantime because you're just passing through. And it doesn't matter. You can do everything right and still have to go through the meantime. Paul gets saved, knocked off his donkey in Acts chapter 9. For three and a half years, where's Paul? In the meantime. Jesus, we see him in Luke chapter 2, confounding the wise, but then we don't see him again until he's 30. Where'd Jesus go? 
to the process. Jesus went to the meantime. The Bible says that he grew in favor with man and with God, and he grew in wisdom. If the meantime is good enough for Jesus, then it's good enough for me, amen? Amen. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. They're plans for good and not destruction, not disaster, and for a hope and for a future. His plan is not for you to stay in the process. His plan is not for you to stay in the meantime. His plan is for you to pass through. There's purpose in your process. There's purpose in your meantime, church. Do you hear me? There's purpose in it. Why? Because there's purpose in your dream. But God's process, here's where we miss it. Can I get some music, please? God's process, your meantime, doesn't always look like the dream. It doesn't always look like the word. It doesn't always look like the promise. So a lot of times, as soon as we start getting in the meantime and we start getting in the process, we're like, oh, that don't look like what you spoke to me. That don't look like what I'm claiming over my marriage. That don't look like what I'm claiming over my children. That doesn't look like the business you promised me. That doesn't look like the ministry you promised me. That's not God. I rebuke you, Satan. Get behind me. You can't always fit the process into the dream. Look at the cross. Did the cross look anything like the dream? A messy, bloody body hanging on a cross looked nothing like the dream of the Father to redeem the earth and to win back his family. But it was the very process. It was the very process to fulfill the dream of the Father. Your process in your meantime, it's going to get messy sometimes. It's going to be bloody sometimes. People are going to speak against you and say, oh, I thought they were a Christian. I thought they were a child of God. Why isn't he caring about them? Why isn't he taking care of them? Why isn't he healing them? Why isn't he paying that bill? Don't bail out in that time. Because although it's not fitting in, God is faithful. And there's always a third day. There's always a resurrection day, amen. And when the process didn't look like the dream, the Father, the Spirit comes forth at the right time on the third day and resurrects the dream from the grave. So your dream is not dead. Your promise is not dead. It's just in the process, but it will be resurrected and it will come forth with life and power. What do you do? You just stay in the boat. You just stay in the boat. Remember God giving us a dream to go to Christ for the nations. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. And he takes us through this long process, $30,000 in debt. We just built this brand new home. It's going to cost money to go to Christ for the nations. And God brings someone in our life and he pays, pays us out of debt. Pays for the first semester of school and we put our house up for sale and we're going to take the money that we put, uh, get on our house and we're going to pay for the rest of school because there's so many more semesters. 
And then right after the first semester, our house didn't sell. And I'm like, God, this is not the dream. The dream wasn't one semester. But I'm having to pay for our house. No one's living in it. And I got to pay for more school. I'm in the process. I'm not where I used to be, but I'm sure not where I'm going. So God, what are we going to do? And I'm walking through that house and I'm thinking, I'm just going to get out of the boat. I'm just going to get out. And we walk out on the porch and my beautiful wife says, the Spirit of God just spoke to me. I said, what did he say? He said, stay in the boat. We stayed in the boat. And God raised up a man that every semester put $7,000 into my account and paid for my school. And God finally sold my house. Why? Because I stayed in the process. I stayed in the boat. It's not easy to stay in the boat because the winds and the waves are going to blow. But I can promise you, there's a man by the name of Jesus that's in the boat with you and he is faithful to the process. And he will always finish what he starts. He's going to finish it. He's going to finish this piece of land. (laughs) He's going to finish the piece of land that Pathway purchased this summer. He's going to put buildings on it. He's going to put healing rooms on it. He's going to put media rooms on it. He's going to put soup kitchens and, and feeding kitchens and housing places on it. Because he's going to finish the vision and the dream that he started. Don't you ever worry about money. God pays for things. Let me say that again. Don't you ever worry about money. Because God pays for things. Just stay in the boat. Listen, the disciples didn't get to the other side because they deserved it or because of their works. They didn't get there because they were great at praying. They actually couldn't pray for an hour. They didn't get there because they were good at fasting because they weren't. John, John the Baptist people fasted and the Pharisee fast, but why don't your disciples fast? They didn't get there because they had great faith. They got there because they just knew how to stay in the boat. In John chapter 6, when Jesus comes out with this crazy message, <laughs> how much money did y'all raise this summer? 800000 So when Jesus comes out with this crazy message, oh, hey, by the way, eat my flesh and drink my blood. I'm I'm out. Peace. (laughs) Jesus looks at the disciples and says, will you also go away? Peter says, eh, no. Where will we go? You have the words to eternal life. (laughs) They simply knew how to stay in the boat. It's kind of like when your pastor stands up here on a Sunday morning and says, hey, we have, um, we have like a month and a half to raise $800,000. Okay, I'm in. Stay in the boat. Where else are you going to go? When the process starts squeezing on you, it starts grinding on you. When it's grinding on your marriage, it's grinding on your son and your daughter. It's grinding on the relationship. It's grinding on your health. It's squeezing you and it's putting pressure on you. Know that he's just pulling back the bow. And the more tension he puts on that string, 
It's stretching you and it's pulling you. But there's a bull's eye right down the way. And if you'll get, and if you'll just submit to the pulling back, there's soon gonna come a time that he's gonna let go and your dream, your vision, your promise is gonna hit the bull's eye. You just gotta stay in the boat. Stand with me this morning. Stay in the boat. Listen, it's Jesus and Jesus alone that's going to get you to the other side. It's Jesus and Jesus alone for your marriage. It's Jesus and Jesus alone for your ministry. It's Jesus and Jesus alone for your job. It's Jesus and Jesus alone for this community. It was only Jesus that got him to the other side. Sometimes I understand that you feel like you're going around the same mountain over and over and over. I get it. But the thing I love about a mountain is it spirals up. And you may be going around and around the same mountain over and over. But that means your altitude is changing. And you're going from glory to glory and faith to faith. And your roots are only getting deeper. Your character is only getting stronger. Stay faithful to the process. Because the process will stay faithful to you. Listen, just because your dream, your promise seems to be delayed, it doesn't mean that it's denied. It may be delayed, but it's not denied. Spirit of God, minister to your children this morning. If you could just put your hand on your, on your heart. Father, touch our hearts this morning. Father, give your children strength in this process. I command confusion to be removed. Remove fear. Anxiety. Remove the pressure, the anxiousness. We at this time, we take all the cares, all the worries, and all the anxieties, and we cast them at your feet, Jesus, right now. Loose your people to slow down, to enjoy the scenery of the process. If you're in the process and you're in the meantime, and you're in that boat ride and it seems like it's been a long, long boat ride and you need endurance, you need grace this morning to stay in the boat. So we pray in Jesus' name right now for grace upon grace over all those that are in the process into the boat ride. We declare that you are faithful and you're true to your people. We love you, Jesus. And everyone said, amen.